0: For Pacifica Radio, February 9th, 2023, I'm Scott Horton. This is Anti-War Radio. All right, y'all, welcome to the show. It is Anti-War Radio. I'm your host, Scott Horton. I'm the editorial director of antiwar.com. And I'm the editor of the new book, Hotter Than the Sun, Time to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. You can find my full interview archive, more than 5,800 of them now, going back to 2003, at scotthorton.org. And you can follow me on Twitter, if you dare, at scotthortonshow. Now, all right, y'all, introducing today's guest, it's Antiwar.com's news editor, Dave DeCamp. He's also the host of a new podcast, Anti War News. With Dave DeCamp. Welcome back to the show, Dave. How are you doing, sir?
1: Good, Scott. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Very happy to have you here, and we got a lot of important news to talk about. The bad news is, Cy Hirsch didn't email me back. I've interviewed him a bunch of times, but it's been a while. But he's got a blockbuster over there at seymourhirsch.substack.com. It's called, if I page up to the top, How America Took Out the Nord Stream Pipeline. And he's only got one source, but it sure seems like a good one. And I already thought so. So I believe it. But why don't you take us through this story here and catch everybody up to date?
1: Yeah. So I mean, this is a huge blockbuster scoop from Seymour Hirsch here. and, He posted it on his substack early Wednesday morning. I mean, I I did like a triple take when I first read it. (laughs) But it details how the U.S., the United States, blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. Now, I always, uh, since those pipelines blew up, always leaned towards the fact that, you know, I thought the U.S. was responsible somehow, but I thought maybe they separated themselves through a proxy through Poland or the U.K. or something like that. But this article says it was U.S. Navy divers that planted C4 explosives on the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines in June 2022 during NATO drills in the region known as Balt Ops 22. If you remember when, you know, this first happened when the explosion happened, there was a lot of people pointing out, "Hey, there was a bunch of NATO vessels, you know, operating in this area just a few months ago." So they were planted in June and the explosives were detonated in September by a Norwegian spy plane that dropped some kind of sonar buoy that detonated these explosives so this was done in coordination with norway um, so really what it is it's a u.s uh, attack on russian energy infrastructure uh, it's an act of war uh, there's not really any way around that but what i think is kind of the most explosive uh, revelation or allegation from this whole thing is the fact that they were planning it before Russia invaded Ukraine. It said that they convened a meeting, uh, they started convening meetings about it in December 2021 at the order of President Biden. He authorized Jake Sullivan, his national security advisor, to form an interagency group to discuss this. And now I saw Aaron Maté was on Tucker Carlson last night, and he made a really good point. In December 2021, that's when Russia... know submitted their proposals about their security concerns they were trying to get a deal on a rollback of NATO or uh, a guarantee that Ukraine wouldn't ever join NATO but during this time it looks like the US was plotting how to bomb the Nord Stream pipelines and in early 2022 so I would figure January uh, the CIA said hey we we have a plan here you know we could plant these explosives And something really interesting from the report. Now, again, after these pipelines exploded, something I immediately cited when I uh, first wrote up, you know, reported on the pipelines being attacked was that President Biden basically threatened uh, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline before Russia invaded. It was on February 7th, 2022. He said if Russia invades Ukraine, uh, it will bring an end to Nord Stream 2 uh, one way or another. He, He said made some sort of threat like that. And Victoria Newland said something very similar a few weeks earlier. Now, according to this report, the people at the CIA, the people planning this attack, were uh, kind of blown away by this. That to them, it was him speaking openly that they planned to destroy these pipelines. And what's really uh, amazing is that they said that this, uh, because Biden was speaking about it, it it changed the way it was. Uh, you know, originally it was supposed to be a special operations uh operation that they would have to notify congress about but because of what biden said they made it more classified and it was going to be a u.s military operation with the support of the cia so they didn't have to tell congress so uh and i saw senator mike lee on twitter uh he was maybe the only person i've seen so far in congress discuss this He, he said something like you know i can't discredit this report which is really disturbing uh and we were not briefed on this so, again, they planned it while Nord Stream 1 was, you know, delivering gas to Germany. And they planted these explosives in June 2022. It wasn't really until September, I think just a few weeks before the explosion, that Russia turned off the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. But they were doing this while Germany was still receiving gas. So it's also, you know, an attack on Germany. Um, so it's just a huge revelation. But, of course, you know, the mainstream media in the United States is not touching it. All I've seen so far is a few Reuters articles about how, you know, the White House and the CIA are denying it. Uh, They called it a blog post. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, again, it's from Seymour Hersh. And he mentions uh, he wrote up a short thing about why he put it on Substack. And he mentioned that when he first reported on Abu Ghraib, you know, the Pentagon said it was it was it was nonsense, uh, which turned out, of course, not to be true.
0: Yeah, of course. And you look at all the attacks against him now, they call him a conspiracy theorist and all this stuff because he very correctly debunked their lies about al-Qaeda's false flag sarin attack in, well, there are three major ones, but he debunked one of them there uh, during the war in Syria. Of course, they always attack him, and of course, his work almost always holds up. Uh, So, uh, anyway, Scott Horton here, Anti-War Radio, talking with Dave DeCamp about Seymour Hersh's new piece at Substack. About um, America blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline, the CIA and the Navy working together on it. Well, the Times in London is covering the story at least. Hopefully someone at least in Europe will try to, you know, verify this based you know, and, and get further confirmation of the story from different sources in Europe or something, since I haven't checked the post in the Times, but obviously they're not gonna run with this and try to confirm it. If anything, they'll try to just debunk it.
1: Yeah, but, I, I I'm holding out hope that maybe, you know, there's somebody at The Post or The Times that, you know, still admires Seymour Hirsch and is going to try to, you know, look into this at least. Um, And also recently, you know, at first, after the pipelines blew up, all the media was, you know, trying to infer that it was Russia, which is nonsense. And they called the idea that the U.S. was involved, you know, conspiracy theory. But in recent weeks, both The Washington Post and The New York Times published very long, detailed Uh, stories about how there's no evidence that Russia was involved. The one from the Post, they cited like 23 uh, officials in European countries in the U.S. that said it wasn't Russia, basically. Huh. So the narrative, uh, you know, has fallen apart. The idea that it's Russia and Sweden, Denmark, and Germany have been investigating this and these reports as well from the Times and the Post basically said it's very strange that they they're not saying anything, that they're not giving us any details, they're not blaming anybody. And then the Times of London reported last week that uh, Germany uh, is open to the idea, open to theories that it was a Western country that did it mm-hmm. to blame it on Russia. So I think the dam was kind of cracking as it was. So, again, I'm hoping somebody is going to say, all right, let's, let's look into this. Or maybe we could get some confirmation from somebody in Europe. Uh, I know a lot of German politicians are probably going to be angry about this. Um, and uh, maybe in Norway, who knows? I know the Norwegian government denied it, obviously, but maybe we'll get some leaks uh, from over in
0: Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I mean— it's almost as important as the rest of the story is that media consensus it's amazing right it's like some kind of black magic they just snap their fingers and every media minor bird in america repeats the same thing oh obviously it was russia that did it obviously it was russia that did it when No, obviously it was America or or the British SBS, you know, our SEALs or the SBS or something like that who did it. Why would Russia blow up their own pipeline? They can just turn it off. Mm -hmm. It's the Americans, as you delineated here, have the motive to prevent this peace pipeline between Russia and Germany from going into operation. They were putting sanctions on it for years under Donald Trump even put sanctions on the Swiss and German firms building the thing in order to try to stop it. In fact, right here, I want to play this great medley done by Orf. It's 0RF on Twitter here of American media personalities all agreeing about what must have happened here. We'd have to conclude without the evidence that it's most likely Russia. Russian sabotage on its own infrastructure. It's a common sense matter. I think it's Putin's way of sending a message. What Putin is saying to us by blowing up his pipeline is, look, I can blow up a pipeline. Everyone knows that Putin did this himself. It's the closest thing to a smoking gun without the direct proof. Yeah. I think logic and common sense will tell you that without without the the evidence, evidence, Russia was behind the incident. We can say it for sure. Who sabotaged
1: the Nord Stream 2 pipeline?
0: The Russians. <laughs> I love the certainty,
1: and I appreciate the insight. Yeah, there's exactly uh, one country on that list
0: of suspects, Brad, um, <laughs> and r- Russia would Russia would be it. It's hard to imagine others with a significant motive. But, uh... CIA Director John Brennan. Russia is certainly the most likely suspect. Russia is certainly the likeliest suspect. Russia is most likely behind this. Russia is the likely cause of that. Likelihood it. that Russia is behind the attacks. Very likely. Russian. Likely, likely Russian. Russian. It is likely that this is an act by Russia. The most likely thing is, is in fact, the most likely likelihood that Russia is behind the attacks Very likely Russian likely, likely Russian. Russian It is likely that this is an act by Russia The most likely thing is is in fact the most likely thing Russia
1: the most likely suspect at this point according to many is Russia? I've heard people I trust saying that it's just probably Russia.
0: Vladimir Putin the most likely. Russia is likely to blame. I mean, that's totally something Putin would do and then go blame it on someone else. Essentially a scenario of cutting off your nose to spite your face here. Why would Russia bomb its own pipeline? It doesn't seem to make sense if you're thinking in a rational actor scenario, but... Experts agree that Russia is the key suspect. Experts say Russia. Experts, experts point the finger at Russia. Experts pointing their at Finger at Russia. European leaders are pointing Porter. the finger at Russia. And all
1: fingers pointing at Vladimir Putin. Pointing the finger at Moscow. Pointing the finger at Russia. The Occam's razor points to Russia. <laughs> Most logical points to Russia. German
0: lawmakers point the finger at Russia. Spain points the finger at Russia. All signs point to Russia. Signs point to Russia. Point to Russia. and Russia. It Russia. still kind of seems to me like Occam's razor still point to Russia's involvement. Russia is a prime suspect. Putin the prime suspect. This is a not-so-subtle must message from the Russians. Russian sabotage. Russian sabotage. Russian sabotage. What's happening here is Russian sabotage. Sabotage by the Russians. Sabotage by the Russians. More stable rattle, more intimidation from the Russians. His playbook, Putin's playbook. Sabotage sounds very part of his playbook. Um, you know, it's 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 essentially owned by the Russians and a Russian company. Be hard to protect against self-sabotage. The assessment is Russia was behind it. Certainly, the suspicions
1: have got to be Russia. Who's doing this? It's gotta be. Help Russia. The obvious explanation
0: that this was done by Russia. It's pretty obvious this is a Russian sabotage operation. Russia says, oh, we had nothing to do with this. It was probably Russia that blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Oh, I think it did. I'm 99% certain of it. Everything that I'm reading and sensing is that... Russia did it. Russian or Russian forces. So um,
1: Russia has done what it frequently does when it is responsible for something, which is make accusations that it was really someone else who did it.
0: Anyway, the point is, they never explain the logic there whatsoever. When the Russians clearly can just turn the thing off. Obviously, it's the Americans who said for years that they were the ones who wanted to stop the Nord Stream pipeline. And the Russians have no motive whatsoever. But it really is an achievement that they can get everyone in media to agree like that.
1: Yeah. And if, if they wanted pretext to attack NATO or something, they have all the pretext that they need already. Uh, you know, they didn't need to do something like this. And the fact that they're pricing uh, the, out the repairs, they're, they're getting ready to repair the pipeline. I It's something that was pointed out by the New York Times and the Washington Post uh, just shows that why it wasn't Russia that did it, because why would they bomb it and then fix it? Yep. Maybe Charlie Savage will look into it for us. Oh, yeah, there you go.
0: I'm (laughs) sure he'll get the straight dope direct from the CIA. All right. Well, um, so let's talk about jets. Are they really going to get fighter jets to the Ukrainians? which they said approximately a year ago, don't worry, we're not going to do anything crazy and stupid like that. That would mm-hmm. cause a war between NATO it, and Russia.
1: Yeah, well that's the thing, you know, the US has has said they're not going to send jets. The the Germans said it. The British said that we're saying it too, but now they're prepared to start training Ukrainian pilots. Zelensky visited London on Wednesday, and he met with uh, Rishi Sunak, the prime minister. And Sunak said, you know, we're going to start training Ukrainian pilots how to use NATO aircraft this spring. Uh, Britain still hasn't said that they're going to send them jets, and the and neither has the U.S. or any other NATO country. But Ukrainian officials are confident that they're going to get them. Um, but it's just a matter of how long the training is going to take. And and honestly, uh, the just what's going to happen over the next few months, as it does seem like this sort of long expected russian offensive is coming now we have ukrainian officials saying you know they built up a lot of troops you know they're going to be ready to break through soon um so who knows where this war is going to be in a few months if if, you know these abrams tanks that ukraine isn't going to get till probably towards the end of the year if they ever get delivered Uh, if they're going to get any of this stuff in time before a major Russian offensive. Um, But yeah, the the jets seem to be the next big escalation that Ukraine is pushing for. And again, just because these Germany, you know, Schultz and and all them have ruled them out, uh, doesn't mean they're not going to get them because they also ruled out tanks. They ruled out the IMRs. They ruled out a lot of stuff that they ended up sending them.
0: Right. Well, you know, the Institute for the Study of War says that the escalation has begun. That uh, over the last couple of days, and I guess especially yesterday, the Russians started moving new divisions into Luhansk, and they believe that there's you know 300,000 people coming. Mm-hmm. That's what the Ukrainians have been panicking about, and it's something that Colonel McGregor and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Davis have been saying that they expect any time now, and I guess that's now.
1: And yeah, so- and they've already, and Ukraine's been taking a lot of losses, uh, you know, in in Donetsk. For the past few weeks, uh, they've been losing some territory there, um, you know, and that's before even this big major offensive. That's just the fighting that's been going on for months and months now. Uh, mm-hmm. So this big offensive on top of that, uh, you know, they might lose a good amount, a good chunk of territory.
0: Hey, guys, check out my new sponsor. It's Peacehawk Coffee at peacehawk.coffee. First of all, business. You have to drink coffee in the morning and you want it to taste good. Well, Peace Hawk Coffee is the best from around the world. But then, just as important, Peace Hawk Coffee donates at least a dollar of every pound sold to worthy foreign aid organizations like Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. When you buy Peace Hawk Coffee, you're not only buying great coffee, you have a chance to support the economies of countries struggling against the effects of war and support private aid foundations doing life saving work abroad. Sign up for their email list and get yourself some great coffee at peacehawk.coffee. Hey, y'all, Scott Horton here for the Libertarian Institute at libertarianinstitute.org. I'm the director. Then we've got Sheldon Richman, Kyle Anzalone, Keith Knight, Lori Calhoun, Jim Bovard, Connor Freeman, Will Porter, Patrick McFarlane, and Tommy Salmons on our staff, writing and podcasting. And we've also got a ton of other great writers too, like Walter Block, Richard Booth, Boss Spleet, Kim Robinson, and William Van Wagonen. We've published eight books so far, including my latest, Hotter Than the Sun, Time to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, and Keith Knight's new Voluntarist Handbook. And we've got quite a few more great ones coming soon. Check out libertarianinstitute.org books. It's a whole new era. We libertarians don't have the power, but we do have enough influence to try to lead the left and the right to make things right. Join us at libertarianinstitute.org. And what a horrible war, too. Artillery war. People just getting blown to bits. Mm -hmm. It's really nasty.
1: Huge casualty rates. Yeah, it's really uh, pretty horrific.
0: All right. So now let's rewind a little bit. This is so important that people understand. It goes back to the point you were making about how they were planning on blowing up this pipeline right when Russia was saying, here's our proposed peace deal. And you could say that that treaty was too extensive and had too many demands. I don't really agree with that, but certainly it was a reasonable basis to open up real discussions. And we know, because they admitted it themselves, Derek Chollet, for example, who worked for Joe Biden, had said that, yeah, no, NATO was not on the table. We would not even discuss NATO membership for Ukraine with the Russians whatsoever. We already told them, it's a defensive alliance. You don't need to worry about it. And that'd be good enough for them. When they knew that would not be good enough for them, and we have all those quotes of them saying, Yeah, we could give them an Afghanistan. We could bog them down and bleed them to bankruptcy, just like we helped Osama bin Laden do to us over the last 20 years, and we do that to them again. And they just keep saying it over and over again. So now we have and we already had, you know, confirmation of this from different areas that not only were they not willing to negotiate in good faith to stop the war from happening. But then once the war broke out, it's actually pretty miraculous how close uh, Zelensky and Putin came to having a deal to end the war early in March or in April of 2022. And we already knew that the Americans and the British had intervened there from reporting from Ukrainian Pravda and we already had you know complaints from the Turks involved. But now there's a new story which is then Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett has given this in-depth interview, Dave, where he explained his role in the shuttle diplomacy there and what happened to it all. And people can find the interview on YouTube. It's in Hebrew, but it's got translations in the uh, closed captions at the bottom that are pretty close. And I know you've looked uh, at that uh, very closely here. I was wondering if you can help explain what it is that Naftali Bennett said.
1: Yeah. So this is huge. I mean, because I remember in these early days of the war, Bennett went to Moscow on March 5th to meet with Putin. He was trying, you know, playing the role of the mediator. And here on this interview on his YouTube channel, he really detailed that role. So he went and met with Putin and he called Zelensky right afterward. He was calling back and forth between them. And he said that there was a real will, uh, you know, on both sides to reach some sort of deal. And he got them to agree to major concessions. The one on the Russian side was he said that Putin um, conceded that, you know, he didn't need denazification, which is a pretty vague, you know, could be a pretty broad war goal. But the way Bennett described it, he said it was basically regime change, that denazification meant the removal of Zelensky. So he got Putin to concede that. And he also uh, got him to concede basically demilitarization or disarmament as, as Bennett put it. And then he got Zelensky to concede on NATO membership. And at the time in March, 2022, there was reports, uh, a lot of reports and comments from Zelensky basically saying, you know, we, uh, we don't need to join NATO. We could be neutral. Now there's still a lot of questions about the security guarantees that Ukraine wanted at the time, the territorial aspect of it. But when Bennett was, uh, negotiating like this mediating he said he was coordinating it with the us the uk france and germany and he said that they blocked it which is how he put it um he said that they made a decision that they wanted to keep striking or or hitting putin uh, depending on the translation but he said that there was a decision by these western countries basically that they wanted this war to continue and that they blocked his efforts at mediating so again it's very uh a huge story and Uh, The negotiations didn't end with his mediation efforts. Later that month in March, Russian and Ukrainian officials met in Istanbul. And then a few weeks after that, it was when Boris Johnson went over to Ukraine and told Zelensky not to negotiate. Even if you're ready to sign a deal, we don't want to. And then uh, Turkey, who hosted the Istanbul talks, they came out and said, "Uh, you know, we thought there was going to be a deal. But it turns out some of these NATO countries want the war to continue to weaken Russia and then just a few days after that, Lloyd Austin says publicly that one of their goals in Ukraine is to weaken Russia. And then right after that was when that $40 billion Ukraine aid bill was was uh, passed through Congress, um, when things really started to heat up. Yeah. And it was around this time, too, that uh, Russia withdrew from the north, from Kiev. Um, and they said that they did it to kind of foster negotiations. Right. Um, and that was, you know, portrayed as a defeat. And then they 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 use that to say, look, Ukraine has a chance at winning. Let's really ramp up this aid. Forty billion dollars worth, you know, full steam ahead.
0: And now look where we are a year later. They're going to lose at least the Donbass and maybe Zaprosia and Kursan, too. Now they could mm-hmm. have just implemented Minsk, too. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, this-
1: that's the thing. I mean, that's the real tragedy of it is it shows how little the americans and nato really care about ukrainians they just want to hurt russia at the end of the day ukraine is going to be uh, have lost you know a hundred thousand hundreds of thousands of lives and and more territory than they would have had to
0: yeah it's just absolutely disgraceful and the thing is too is it's so blatant and open that you know past the present moment that will be the history of this the war guilt in Washington, D.C. on this one is just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, but anyway, we're all out of time. Listen, uh, thanks for doing such a great job covering all the bad news for us at antiwar.com, Dave.
1: Yes, yeah, Scott. Thanks for
0: having me. All right, you guys. That is Dave DeCamp. Check out his great podcast, Anti War News. He basically covers the top of the page of antiwar.com for you every morning. News.antiwar.com for the great Dave DeCamp. All right, you guys. Now I got to raise some money for KPFK. It's 90.7 FM in L.A. Again, I'm Scott Horton. This is anti-war radio. And I'm on the radio in L.A. And I have been since 2010 eh, 2011 because of you, because of public support for this station. We're not sponsored by major corporations. We are uh, not sponsored by the government. This is left of the dial, publicly funded, literally publicly funded, not through taxes, through you, the public, the people. Out there in your cars, listening on your commute, deciding that it's worthwhile to keep this radio station on the air. That's who supports KPFK. You know, of course, it's not just this show, but all of the great programming here on uh, Pacifica in LA. And of course, repeated down to San Diego and out at Ridgecrest China Lake and up to Santa Barbara and all over Southern California. But part of doing business since we don't do business with business is we got to stop and do these fundraisers every once in a while. So all you got to do is go to kpfk.org and there's plenty of links to click to make your pledge there or just call 818-985-5735. 818-985-5735. Pledge whatever you can, 10, 20, 50, $50,000, whatever you can afford to uh, help keep KPFK strong into the future. And you know, the Pacifica Network is not named after the ocean. The spirit of this entire thing is against militarism. And so and so that's why I'm so proud to be part of KPFK and so grateful that I have access to y'all's ears over all of these years. Didn't mean to rhyme, sorry, but that's what it's worth to me. I hope it's important to you. It's kpfk.org or 818 818- 985-5735. And I think they might still have a couple of copies of my book lying around. The deal is if you donate $75 or more, you'll get a copy of Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism by me as a premium gift to you as a thanks for your donation. So again, kpfk.org, 818-985-5735. And now let me invite you all In the Los Angeles and uh, the rest of Southern California radio audience to this huge and important anti-war protest coming up here on Sunday, February the 19th at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. I know it's a long way from L.A., but then again, that's what airplanes are for. It's not that expensive and it won't take that long and it'll definitely be worth your time. It's the Rage Against the War Machine Rally. And... Uh, it includes a lot of great speakers, including KPFK favorites like David Swanson and Max Blumenthal and myself. And it's a broad coalition, libertarians and leftists with, I think, a couple conservatives in there as well, too. Um, Jimmy Dore is going to be headlining. And then the great former representatives Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich, who were both friends when they were in Congress, And would often work together on anti-war legislation and other issues while they were up there. And Tulsi Gabbard's going to be speaking. Former Ambassador Anne Wright. Chris Hedges, who of course uh, has a show here on KPFK. Uh, As I mentioned, David Swanson, Garland Nixon, Max Blumenthal, and his lovely wife Anya Parampil, who is really great. Supreme from the Wu-Tang Clan. And Jill Stein, the former Green Party presidential candidate, and a lot of other great speakers are going to be there. And so I really do hope that you guys will come out. It's at the Lincoln Memorial on February the 19th. It's a Sunday. And, you know, we're marking the one-year anniversary of the horrible proxy war with Russia taking place in Ukraine right now. And the demands are to abolish that war, to slash the military budget, Bring the empire home, free Julian Assange, restore civil liberties, and obviously most important, call a ceasefire and real negotiations for peace in Ukraine before our government gets us all killed. And it's just so important. I know that the political incentives don't quite line up for people on the left the way they did in Cindy Sheehan's day, but the reality is that the consensus is wrong. And they have our government and our foreign policy establishment, national security apparatus have us in such danger right now. We have got to show up by the thousands to this thing and make an impression on people and let them know in Washington, D.C., as the polls show, that the people don't support this policy. Let them know we actively oppose it. We demand an end to this before it gets too much further out of control. So, again, it's Rage Against the War Machine. That's the protest. It's at the Lincoln Memorial on Sunday, February the 19th. Go to RageAgainstWar.com. That's RageAgainstWar.com to find out all the information about it. It's going to be a really great event, and I really do hope that you guys will be there, and I'll see you there. And that's it for Anti-War Radio for today. Thanks very much for listening. I'm your host, Scott Horton. I'm editorial director of antiwar.com and editor of the new book Hotter Than the Sun: Time to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. Find my full interview archive, almost 6,000 of them now going back 20 years, at ScottHorton.org and at youtube.com/slash Scott Horton Show. you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Horton Show. And I'm here every Thursday from 2:30 to 3 on KPFK. FM in LA see you next week